Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we are. Hebrews chapter 11. If you're new with us, this is what we do here at the Parks Church. We preach through books of the Bible, and we are making our way through uh, the letter of Hebrews. So stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word as we jump into Hebrews this morning. Verse 4, if you don't have your copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screen behind me. By faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. I bet you can guess the topic of today's talk, right? We're in Hebrews 11, the, household, the, the, the hall of faith. Uh, we're going to be talking about faith for uh, several more weeks. But I want to back up a little bit because it's been two weeks. Michael did a great job uh, unpacking for us uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. But I want to go a little bit further back than that into Hebrews chapter 10. Because those all build up to this chapter, this part in this chapter, where essentially it's kind of like a crescendo. You know what I mean by that? Like this high point in Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews and the author of Hebrews is just going like, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith. Like it just keeps going. Moses, Abraham, all like the forefathers, Sarah. It's like all these by faith. And at the end of it, we're supposed to be like, yeah, woo, right? But it's going to take us about three months, okay, so um, to, get, to get through it. So I want to set it up why it would be like that, all right? Now, Hebrews 10, uh, verse 39, um, comes at the end of that chapter. And that chapter in the middle deals with something very, very difficult. Remember one of those warnings there in Hebrews 10? The warning of apostasy. The warning of, of kind of abandoning, of leaving, of going the other direction from what you know the word of God to say, that, that this idea of apostasy, you talked about that. However, Hebrews 10 ends not with dis- discouragement or warning, but actually encouragement to the people. And so I want to begin there by, by reminding us what it says, right? And he's going, listen, you're, you, you audience, Hebrew Christians, you're not those who are apostate. Here's who you are. And look at it in verse 3. But we are not of those. He's going, you're not those who shrink back and are destroyed. But here's who you are. You have faith and preserve their souls. You're a people who have faith. Okay, that's a really powerful, good, good statement. And I, I would encourage us this morning, most of us in this room, you are a people who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But then the question needs to go, what's faith? Like, like what, what is true biblical faith? And then that's what flows Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 1 tells us faith is what? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. And most of you, if you're going to define faith, that's the chapter and verse you turn to. But what's interesting is he goes on, he says, for by it, meaning faith, the people of old received 
their commendation. So what we're going to walk through over the next several weeks here in the hall of faith, right, with all these names, are the people of old talked about here in verse verse 2 in how they receive their commendation or salvation. And I've dealt with this in Hebrews before, but it, it still is, is important for me to, to talk about it because we've spent so much time in the Old Testament. The saints of the Old Testament were saved by faith. Not faith in their works, not faith in adherence to the law, not faith in any other thing. They were saved by faith in a coming Messiah. All of the types, all of the shadows, all the things we've talked through in Hebrew were in Hebrews were pointing to the substance, who we know is Jesus, right? The fulfillment, the Messiah. But the Old Testament saints were saved by putting their faith, trusting that God, Yahweh, was making a way. He was sending one to redeem them from their sins. And so they were putting their faith, not in their works, not in what they did, not in what they accomplished, but in a God who is sending a Messiah to save them, who would eventually save them from their sin. Okay? And so as we look at today's passage, in these three uh, people, these three different people, it's critical for us to understand we are not elevating them to a place above Jesus. Not at all. Abel, Enoch, Noah, no. All of them were signposts pointing to Jesus. All of them in their lives and those moments that they would be even included here were all indicators pointing to the one who fulfilled those things perfectly. And that's Jesus. But I want to start with this question. I want you to honestly think about this and, and ponder it, okay? And here's the question. What kind of life pleases God? And so if you have, if you have notes, maybe take a moment or just, just think about it. What kind of life pleases God? So when I began to read this text, that question came to my mind. And I began just as, as honestly, as, like just, just as quick as I could, um, write down what I felt was in my mind and my heart. And I began to make a list of things. Like, well, this, please, this pleases God, this, that pleases God. Doing this, not doing this. Um, and then I reread our text this morning. See, our text, verses 4 through 7, gives us the answer to that. Look at verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when I ask the question, or you think about the question, what kind of life pleases God? There is only one answer. There's only one answer. Faith. A life of faith. You see, what I began to list, and maybe some of you did as well, are things that flow, are things that come from, things that are, if you will, byproducts of a true life of faith. And here's where this is a slippery slope. Some of you, you look at that list, you come up with those things, you go, no, this, this is what pleases God, this is, this is what honors God, and, and, and you're not wrong. However, it is not ultimately what pleases God. What ultimately brings pleasure to God, if you will, is a life rooted and anchored in faith. 
So I begin to think about this scene in, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. Jesus is, is teaching, he's talking about uh, someone standing before the Lord on the day of judgment. And uh, it was funny, after the first service, people, somebody came to me and was like, does it really say that in Matthew 7? I'm like, yeah, it really does say that in Matthew 7. Go check it out, right? And it's this scene where Jesus is painting this and people come before uh, the Lord and they're like, Lord, Lord, we did all of these things in your name. We cast out demons. We healed the sick. We did this. We, we fed the poor. We did all of these things. We had a church. We went to Sunday school. We did it all. Maybe that list of what pleases God. We, 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 we did it all. And here's the terrifying part. And the Lord looks back at them and what rolls off of his lips Depart from me. I never knew you. But Lord, we did all those things that pleased you. Lord, we did, we did, we did. We had the spiritual resume. Hebrews eleven six. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. Without faith, it's impossible for God to look at you or to look at me and go, you know what? That is a pretty good list. You know what? You've done pretty good for me. Come on. No. This is very reminiscent. Hebrews eleven six is very reminiscent of John 15, the cha- chapter we're very familiar with here at the Park Church. John 15, verse 5, where Jesus says, listen, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? You guys know that one, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Hebrews 11 is echoing the same impossibility, going, listen, it is impossible to please God apart from faith. So by golly, we had better understand what faith is and what it's not. And so here we get this hall of faith, these examples, these pictures of what true, genuine, God-pleasing faith looks like. And so we're just going to go through each one of these scenes. And listen, each one of these scenes could be a sermon in all of itself, right? But I'm going to go pretty quickly through, through these and pull out the things uh, that the Holy Spirit hopefully can use in our lives to, to shape this picture of what faith is. And so put that, put that list that you had of what pleases God over here. And let's look at what really pleases God here. So verse four, the first scene or the first person from the Old Testament is Abel. Abel. So mostly he's paired with his brother Cain. The story of Cain and Abel, this comes from Genesis chapter four. So I don't want to retell the whole story, but I want to read a section of the story that's alluded to here in, in, in Hebrews 11. And so this is from Genesis. This is the actual account of the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are brothers. They are the first children of Adam and Eve. Okay? And here's what happens. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit from the ground. Now, here's what you need to know about Cain. Cain was a farmer. Cain was a worker of the land. That was his job. That was his task. Okay? Abel, on the other hand, was a shepherd. He was a keeper of the flock. And Abel also brought of, the firstborn, uh, yeah, brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel, meaning it was acceptable. He was pleased by Abel and his offspring. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Okay, leave that back here as my backdrop, Denise. Okay, so here's the picture. 
All right? So we have two brothers, Cain the older, Abel the younger, bringing offerings to the Lord. And the question I want to ask, I'm going to ask a lot of questions for us to think about this morning. Um, The question I want to ask is this. Why did the Lord accept Abel's offering and disregard or not accept Cain? Why was he pleased with one, Abel, and not the other? Okay? And so I'm, I'm letting you kind of in my processing, in my study, if you will, this week. Okay? So I looked at that. In my instinct, here's where I went. Grain offering versus animal sacrifice. Grain versus animal. Okay, so, so some of you, you're writing notes. You're going to have to scratch through this in just a second, okay? This is my processing. And I'm like, okay, so the Lord, the Lord desired an animal, right? A blood sacrifice. Well, what do you do with verses or chapters or books like Leviticus, right? Where a grain offering or a, 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 an offering from the ground is accepted before the Lord, what do you do with places where that, that does honor the Lord? And does an animal sacrifice? Absolutely. The shedding of blood? Absolutely. Is it, is it required? But however, we miss the point here, and this is where you're going to have to mark through those notes that I just told you. We miss the point here of Hebrews 11. If the first place we go is to the content of the offering. Grain, animal, which is it? But that's our nature. That's where we always go first. We always go to the exterior. In my own life, in trying to figure out the things that please God, here's what I do. I want to see, okay, how can I change this? How can I manipulate this? This behavior is bad. This behavior is good. What what do I need to do to, to do this? No, no, no. The first place that the gospel, that the word of God wants to drive into us is this. You don't look to the exterior. You look to the interior. So while, listen to me, while the content of the offering and the gift matters, What matters more than the content of the gift or offering is the content of our heart. So what was really wrong here with Cain and Abel is this, is that Abel came and brought his gift, right? This animal, the first fruits, right? To the Lord in faith. Abel, or Cain, however, excuse me, Cain, however, came not honoring it in faith, but honoring it, bringing it in selfishness, in self-promotion, in manipulation, in, hey, what can I gain from this? This is why I do this. Surely if I give, if I give this amount of grain to the Lord, then he's going to give me back a hundredfold, like whatever that may be. You see, Kyle, where do you get that? Well, good question. Jude 11. Jude 11, right? There's Jude verse 11, right? There's not chapters in Jude, okay? Look at what Jude 11 says. This is in your New Testament. Woe to them. So a warning, and this is my italic and my under, underline. For they... Walked in the way of Cain. Wait a minute. So Jude just said that there is a a way of Cain. What is that way? What we see next. And abandon themselves for the sake of gain. To Balaam's and Araparis and Korah's rebellion. Leave that up there. The way of Cain is about abandoning yourself, not before the Lord, for the sake of gain. You're willing to do whatever it takes. You're willing to give up whatever, as long as it benefits who? Wait a minute. We don't have any problems with this, but just if you could, put on your Hebrews 11 hat. No, baloney, right? This is what we struggle with. Like if, if we could... If we could uh, create a new slogan for McKinney, 
It might be abandon ourselves for the sake of gain, right? I'll run it by the city, all right? I'll see what they, they think, right? Unique by nature's run its course, but how's this one on the water tower? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I bring a little levity because we often live the way of Cain. Abandon ourselves. We'll do whatever as long as I'm elevated, as long as I'm served. And the way of Abel is this, the better way is the way of faith to go, no, I'm bringing my first and my best before the Lord because I just want to worship him. I want to love him. I want to sacrifice whatever because I've been given him. You see, Cain, in him, we see duty and self-service, self-centeredness. And some of you, um, even as I read that account in Genesis, and you can put that back up, you're like, man, that God of the Old Testament. And he's, he's harsh. Like he accepted, he accepted Abel, but Cain, come on. Like they, potentially they both brought their best. But God knows what? The heart. He looks through the content of the material gift to the heart, Abel, Cain. But I want you to see here in Genesis also the heart of God. Like how, how kind is it to the Lord? So here's what, here's what the Lord does in verse six. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. That's the end of verse five. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? The Lord knows the answer to that question. But he's trying to get Cain to, to essentially come to him and go, here's why I'm upset. Here, here, here's why my face has fallen. And the Lord goes on to say, if you do well, what's the well in this passage? If you will just come to me in honesty and in repentance, if you'll just come to me with your heart open, I already know it, Cain. Here's what the Lord said he will do. Will you not be accepted? Literally accepted there. It is the idea. Will your face not be lifted? So God is going, why is your face fallen? Cain, I can just see him. He's just gritting his teeth. And he goes, God goes, if you would just come to me, if you just come to me, here's what I'll do for you. I'm going to take that face that has fallen and I'm going to lift it. Like how gracious is that? How good is that? How loving is that? And listen, this isn't the only time that God comes to Cain. But Cain's heart is hard. It's not, about, it's not full of faith. It's not full of any faith. It's full of himself. And so you, you probably know the rest of the story with Cain and Abel, right? Cain goes on to do what? Kill Abel. What else did the Lord just do in this passage? He called that shot. He says, and if you do not, if you do not do well, if you do not come to me, here's what's going to happen. Sin is crouching at your door and it will devour you if you don't come to me. Like the, I just sense this picture of this loving father going, listen, son, listen, Cain, I'm giving you warning. I'm giving you opportunity to come to me in repentance. I'm giving you opportunity to come to me in faith, by faith, so that you can uh, be extended my, my grace and my mercy, my good pleasure. But if you don't, sin's crouching. And what a word picture there. It's this idea of like, a tiger, like coiled up, about to pounce and devour. 
He's going, that's what sin is doing in your life if you don't come to me. And we know that the pounds happen, right? That he takes Abel's life, that he kills him. And for some of you, here is the warning you need to hear. You need to hear the warning and the grace of the Father this morning going to you, going, listen, sin is crouching outside the door of your life. Some of you are dabbling. Some of you, you're going, you know, it's, it's done in secret. Some of you, some of you, maybe it's done in public, but sin is crouching there. And let me tell you, the inevitable outcome of sin that pounces is to devour, kill, destroy everything in your life. And so God's warning to you and to me this morning is that, listen, come to him. Come to him going, Lord, I'm, str- I'm struggling. Lord, I'm sinning. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm caught in this. I'm guilty of this. Lord, even my, my worship, it's self-serving. Lord, I want to come to you. And he goes, if you don't, sin will pounce and it will devour. But back to Abel. That's Cain. Abel was a man of faith, bringing that offering, bringing that worship. How did his life work out here earthly? You see, there's this false narrative oftentimes, even in churches, of like this idea, well, if you just live by faith, if you just do this, the other, the other, the earthly outcomes are always going to be what you prefer. Anybody in here who's lived over four years of life, I hope, can go, man, that's just not it. But don't we forget that? Like even as believers, we forget that. I look here at Abel's life. And I see this guy who, who, who the Lord goes, you pl- this, this offering pleases me because you have faith. It pleases me. And he still yet allows his brother to murder him. Not how I would have preferred my life to work out. But then he goes on in Hebrews chapter 11 to say, even though Abel has died, he still speaks today. How amazing is that? That even though the earthly outcome of Abel's life is not one that we'd write to go, man, look, that's a fairy tale ending. Still, his voice in his obedience and his faith is still speaking here at the Parks Church in McKinney, Texas. That's amazing. Only God does that. So, so let's look at this, this, next, um, this next person. And so while we know a lot about Abel, quite a bit about Abel, we know a lot about Noah, the third one. This next one, um, Enoch. He's an interesting cat. This we we just don't know much about him. Okay, we're still in Genesis. Okay, so 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 let's look at Enoch. There there are not very many verses about him, and so this is what we know about Enoch. Let's read it. When Enoch had lived sixty five years, he fathered Methuselah, which is just funny, right? Sixty five years, he became dad to Methuselah, the guy who had lived for the longest. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. How you doing? I'm hoping to make it 90. Um, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So here are the things that we know about Enoch. He walked with God. He walked with God. And he didn't taste death. You see, if Hebrews eleven six is true, and it is true, that apart from faith, it's impossible to please God, 
we know that Enoch's walking with God was faith because it pleased God. Does that make sense? That's just basic reasoning, right? We know that Enoch's walking with God for 300 years was a walk of faith, and it pleased God. And it pleased God in such a way that he would kind of put these two kind of juxtaposed to one another. Abel, who was the first man of faith, the first person of faith, you say, wait a minute, what about Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve walked with God with unveiled faces prior to the fall. Abel put his faith in God after the fall, so he's the first man of faith. His life was taken. He was a, a martyr, right? And then you have Enoch on the other side of that, who literally walked with God in such communion, in such intimacy, by faith that the Lord took him. So it's this picture of those who will taste death and those who will not taste death. And Enoch's one of two examples, Elijah being the other. But what I want to draw from this is what uh, Genesis uh, 4 mentions. There's another man, right? So we have kind of this Cain, the way of Cain, the way of Abel. A man by the name of Lamech, or Lamech. He was from the line or the lineage of Cain. Okay, so track with me. This is a little, we're kind of wading into some deep water, so please don't fall asleep quite yet. You can fall asleep later, okay? Um, he was from the line of Cain. And Lama, as, as you can imagine, coming from the line of Cain, was one of the most pagan. You look at it in Genesis chapter four, he brags about killing people. He essentially epitomizes the culture that he's in, all the dysfunction, all the chaos. Like he's, 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 the, he's the poster boy for that, okay? Same generation, seventh generation, okay? You have from the line of Seth, a different line, but same generation, same time frame. You have, guess who? Enoch. In his life, again, all we know is that he walked with God, but we know this about people who walk with God by faith, is that their lives stand in stark contrast to the culture and the way of the world around them. Enoch's did for 300 years. Right? Well, what does it look like to walk with God like that? Well, it looks like righteousness flows from it. It looks like holiness flows from Enoch's life. It looks like joy. Can you imagine the, the amount of joy that Enoch would have had just to be with the Lord, just to walk with him in his presence? Like, do, do those things flow from you as a Christ follower? someone who has a deep abiding fellowship, a deep faith and communion, rich communion with God. Is that what flows from you? I'm not talking about happiness. No, 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 far different. But I'm talking a deep-seated joy that this world cannot shake. What does that look like? Well, uh, the writer of Psalms actually tells us, Psalm 43, 4. It says this, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Man, I just bet that was like, when, when I think of Enoch, I think of how he must have just walked with the Lord going, God is my exceeding joy. Oh, this culture, Lamech, all these guys, all this surrounded perversion and chaos. Like, you know anything about that? Like, everything's falling apart. But here's what I know, my constant is God. And he's my joy. And so my life, everything in my life is going to be given to him and reflect him. And that's where you get the righteousness and the holiness and the joy. Tessa, um, in a group, they're, they're walking through uh, the book of Genesis uh, together. And uh, so, of course, when I came to Enoch, I'm like, 
I need some help. Like, what, what, Enoch, what do we got? Other than, you know, he walked a long time with the Lord and he didn't die. Um, and she said one of the questions posed in her group was this, um, the idea that Enoch walked with God. Who do we walk with? Like, who is it that, is, that could, would be identified so closely like the Lord was identified with Enoch that we walk with? Like, wh- what do you put with you and beside you? And I'm, I mean this functionally, right? Is, is, is it, are, you const- are you walking with technology and the things that flow from it? Are you, are you walking with? You say, no, I'm, I'm walking with the Lord. No, functionally, no, like practically. Is, is, is it the cultural narrative and the cultural values? Are you, are you walking um, with, with, with success, like the lie of success or progress? Are you walking with, in, in, in my context, ministry? Like ministry is my walking partner? That's how you end up in Matthew 7, trust me. Going, no, this is, this is what I want to walk with. This is who I'm walking with. He said, well, it's hard for me to know. Here's how you know. What's being produced? What's flowing out from your life? Is it angst? Is it anxiousness? Is it despair? Is it constant striving? I've got to go more. I've got to do, I've got to do more. I've got to work harder. I've got to pull myself up. I've, I've, got, I've got to accomplish these things. Or is it what I believe flowed out of Enoch's life who walked with God? Joy, peace, righteousness, holiness, love, gentleness, patience. I've said this many times again, and I think it's so profound. Ray Orton, Pastor Ray Orton, um, he said that the prophetic edge of the church will be calm. Calm. That we're calm in an anxious society and culture. There's only one who can bring calm to me, and I'm pretty high strung, right? Like, I'm real high strung. It's the Holy Spirit. So if there's any calm in Kyle, guess what? It's not Kyle. It's the Spirit at work me walking and abiding in and with Christ. Enoch walked with the Lord. I want, I want to walk with the Lord in faith. Going, Lord, as I walk with you, I'm going to trust that you're going to do things in my heart that I try to manufacture all the time and can't. And then the last one um, is Noah. This is probably the one we are most familiar with just in terms of generically his story, Right? The story of Noah, you know it, um, of building the ark as the Lord flooded the earth as a way of uh, condemning the earth, judging, judgment upon the earth. Um, but Noah is included here um, because what Noah did, you can see verse 7 is where this is included. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. I think that's an understatement. Like Noah, yes, Noah was told. Absolutely Noah was told. But there was nothing circumstantially (laughs) that Noah could look to other than the deteriorating and corruption of culture to go, Lord, are you really going to bring judgment? Noah is such a picture of faith because here's here's the point. He took God at his word. He trusted God at his word despite what his eyes could see. Despite 
probably even days where Noah had this feeling, right? How many of those ever led you in the wrong direction? I know, yeah. Noah goes, no, God has spoken and I'm gonna trust him. Here's been the theme throughout Hebrews, guys. God is faithful to accomplish everything he says. God is faithful to keep his promises. So here's what he spoke to Noah. Noah, you are righteous. Noah, build an ark. Noah, I'm going to bring judgment upon all of this land. I'm going to bring a flood. Do what I've told you to do. And what did Noah do? He began to gather wood. He began to construct a boat for years. It wasn't like, okay, hey, in seven days, I'm going to do this, so chop, chop, get to it. No, this was years. I, 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 he didn't have that song back then, but like, can you imagine? Him? I mean, he, I'm sure with every nail, with every swinging of the hammer to those nails, like he's like, give me faith to trust what you say, right? I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm tone deaf, okay? <laughs> that you're good. You know, like, can you imagine? Like, how many of you have ever been in those moments? We're just like, Lord, I trust you because what you say. My instinct, my feelings, my eyes, my literal tangible eyes want to go a different direction, but here's what I'm going to hold to. The anchor of your word. You have spoken, and I'm going to cling to that. That's the kind of faith that is flowing out of Noah. That is the kind of faith that God is trying to draw out of us. To go, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me in spite of what you can see? The, The swirling things. Do you trust my word? That's faith. Faith is someone who goes, Lord, I'm going to trust your word in spite of how I feel and what I see with my eyes. And get this, Noah's obedience, Noah's obedience yielded the saving of his family. That's what Hebrews 11 says, that from his faith led to obedience, the salvation of his family. Hmm. Obedience leading to salvation. Who's that sound like? So the answer is always Jesus. It should be, okay, like, yeah. Noah is pointing to the great salvation that's coming. Noah is a signpost pointing forward, going, no, there's going to be a greater deliverance and deliverer, a perfect one, a spotless lamb, and that's Christ. Some of you... um, when I go back to that question, when you go back to that question in your mind, what pleases God? You're still stuck on a list. You're still stuck on, okay, what do I need? To, I need to build an ark. Okay, got it, Kyle. That's what I heard. Build an ark, a big one. Um, I need to do this. Abel, what I heard? Offering. Make sure it's animal, okay? Like, you know, Enoch, live a long time, right? I don't know. I love that in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, before Noah builds the ark, God looks at him. God says to him, I'm pleased with you. You're righteous. I love you. Probably before one nail was driven into that boat, one, one bit of doing was done, right? God looks and goes, I love you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. We are not saved. God is not pleased by our doing. 
are doing is a response to the great salvation that we have been given in Christ Jesus. That our motivation, our heart to please God is one that is rooted solely and squarely in the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, where when we collide in faith with Christ, here's what God does. He looks down before you do one single thing or stop doing another thing, and he goes, I love you. I'm pleased with you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. That's the gospel. That's the great redemption. That's the great salvation given to us. And so what kind of life pleases God? Back to the original question, what kind of life pleases God? It is a life of faith. And so hear me when I say faith. What you're saying is this. Give me more faith. Give me faith to believe. You're saying, give me Jesus. Give me Christ. Give me everything about him. His, whole, his life, his death, his resurrection. That's what I want. That is the only way we get faith. Ephesians tells us that faith is a gift by God. That we come before and we go, Lord, give me faith. What he's going to give you in return is his son. So track with me. Not only is that, not only is God the giver of faith, he's also the gift. How beautiful is that? And so the call from Hebrews 11, listen, I'm gonna tell you, all of these people, all of these pictures over the next several weeks as we go through it, it's going to be the same story, just a different flavor. This call of you and me to Christ, to him, to more of him, to deeper abiding in him. And then let me tell you, that life that is found in him, faith in him, pleases God. And that life will then flow with the things that we see here, worship and abiding and building in all of those things, but in a way that pleases God and that's not centered on self. And so for some of you this morning, you're at this crossroads, you're at this decision point where you need to either, you need to decide whether you're actually going to step by faith and trust Christ to forgive you and to call you into life, into joy, into holiness and righteousness, or, hear me, you're gonna continue in the way of Cain and that way of Cain is producing, is self-sufficient, is hopping on the religious treadmill going, I'm, gonna, I'm surely I'm going somewhere, I'm going somewhere, and you haven't gone anywhere. You're just gonna wear yourself out. You're gonna burn yourself out and be utterly disappointed. And for those of you who are in Christ, those of you who have put your faith and trust in Christ, like he's, he's yours. The call this morning is that the Holy Spirit would see those areas and those avenues that are in your life and my life that are not lining up with a life of faith. I love, and, and, and listen, oftentimes we think of like the most extreme, like, we att- like, like radical, whatever, okay? Like in our 9 a.m. service, as we're just praying to end, I, I had a, a dear brother come down, older brother, and he's like, hey, um, first a family came down and they said, hey, I just want to tell you um, that there was someone in the church, like they, they just encouraged us, they were first time, second time guests, and they said, hey, they just encouraged us. And like, they have no idea where we're from, no idea what we're about, but like, they just encouraged us. And so then the guy who did that came forward and he's like, man, he's like, when I was praying and we were praying there at the end, I felt like the Lord told me to go over to this specific person and just encourage them. And he's like, I don't know what happened. And I said, let me tell you what happened. That was a family who was hurting, who 
and were wounded. You had no idea of their story. They were sitting here, and the Lord quickened your heart to go and just say just a kind word to them. And it changed the trajectory of maybe just their day. Like, listen, that is the amazingness of just going, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want, however simple or small or whatever magnitude you assign to, all of it is acts of faith. Trusting you, Jesus. Give me faith to believe what you say. Lord, we want to hear from you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, for each and every person in here, um, God, I truly believe that the way your word works is that you're moving on our hearts individually, that you're, 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 uh, you're convicting corporately, you're crystallizing things for us corporately, but you're moving individually on our hearts and on our, on our lives. And so, Lord, I pray even in this simple, this, this little time, this simple prayer here at the end, that your Holy Spirit would speak. You'd use Hebrews 11 to capture our minds and hearts. That you would again awaken the desire to pursue Jesus with everything we are. Lord, you're the giver of faith. Give us faith. We want more of Christ. God, help us to, to abide. Teach us what it means to abide with you more faithfully than we do. And oh God, forgive us for those areas of our lives where we are walking in the way of Cain. We're abandoning everything for the sake of gain, earthly gain. Let us not toil in that kind of way, but let us work toward the things that matter. And then I pray, Lord, that joy would flow. Joy would flow, calm would flow, Peace and love and kindness and gentleness would flow. Patience would flow from this body because we're with Christ. We're walking with you. Lord, for those who are, God, the enemy is waging war over their soul. Lord, I pray that their minds, their hearts would be illuminated to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they can't work to please you. They can only please you by trusting in the avenue you provided, God, that's Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church to walk this out this week. May we be a people marked by faith in the small and in the large, in the mundane and in whatever else is beyond that. And so we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.